Um, we start this year with a little different message series. We finished last year doing kind of a macro approach to the Bible. How many of you made it through the year? How many of you survived? We got through the year mostly, most of us, okay? I, I tell you, I was worried. I called up three, three or four of my preacher friends, and I asked them, have you ever done something like this? And none of them said they had. And they said, by, by the time you get to the book of Leviticus, you're going to lose everybody. So by the time we got to the fourth book of the Bible, and there were more than 10 of you in the room, I felt really good about that. I have to tell you, I, I really grew last year. Last year was a great year for me personally. Um, and probably my two favorite Sundays, believe it or not, was Revelation 5 and believe it or not, the book of Leviticus. I really enjoyed the book of Leviticus. Now, I had to work really hard on Leviticus and I was afraid none of you would show up again. So maybe that's why I really enjoyed it. But we took a macro approach to the Bible and I learned some things for myself and I learned some things about you. I learned that most of us don't understand how all 66 books connect. Is that fair? We don't really understand the, the big picture. And most of the time in church world, we dial down and we dig down so deeply into to a verse or a book, and there's not a connection with how all those fit together. And so what we did last year, I think, was very healthy. We will do that again. I think from up here, it helps so much when we got the, the big picture, and I think most of us want to understand how it all fits together. So about three months ago, as I was beginning to approach this year, I thought, okay, Lord, I know people want to grow in their relationship with you. Very few people come to church and say, you know what? I've been faithful for five or six years. This is the year I'm not going to be faithful to Christ. This is the year I'm going to stop reading my Bible. This is the year I'm going to stop praying. Nobody does that. Everybody comes in here in January with a great desire to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the goal is by the time we get to December 31st, we will all have grown greatly in our personal relationship with God. It's not a will issue. It's not a I don't want to do it issue. Everybody wants to grow. I think it's an equipping issue. And so this year, we're going to take 52 big stories and I'm going to teach you throughout the course of these 52 stories about 17 Old Testament names for God. And there's about 44 New Testament names for God. And by hopefully being a little bit more equipped on these aspects of God, it'll give you the ability to work through some of the problems and issues that you have in your life. Everybody, I think, wants to grow. Is there anybody in here who wants to deep six their faith this year? This is going to be the year where I fall off the wagon. This is going to be the year where I'm not going to grow in my relationship with Christ. Of course not. That's why you're here. It's not a question of do I want to grow, but how am I going to grow, and how will my growth be different? So we've got 52 big stories, and this morning I'm going to start in a rather unusual place. Start with me in 1 Samuel chapter 17. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, it is the very familiar story of David and Goliath. Is there, how many of you in the room have heard the story of David and Goliath? How many of you in the room have not heard the story of David and Goliath? Everybody's heard the story, or you're too chicken to admit you've never heard the story if this is your first time in church in about 50 years. So we're going to look at this very familiar story. But there's going to be some turns and some twists to it, I hope, that will catch your attention. Let's start with verse 3. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 3. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites the other. 
Now, again, just stop right there. You've got the Israelites and the Philistines, and they're on two different sides of this mountain. There's this great big valley in between. So you've got the Israelites on one side, you've got the Philistines on the other side. Now, in just a minute, it's going to describe all the Philistine armor, which is absolutely wonderful if you're in flat country. They've got steel, they've got chariots, they've got all this armor, which is wonderful for fighting on flat ground. They are not on flat ground. They're in the hill country. There's a valley between. Look at verse 4. A champion named Goliath. How many of you heard the name Goliath before? Yeah. How big is Goliath? He's huge. Okay, all right, that's good. He was from Gath. He came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span, whatever that means. He's about 10 feet tall, okay? Look at the next verse. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale of armor, bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves. We don't really go to the store and say, hey, can we have some greaves this week? And a bronze javelin was slung on his back. Okay, the next verse. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron pointed a point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bear went ahead of him. This is a big, big dude. Look at verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? So here's what they would do every single, every single morning and every single night. They would gather all the soldiers. So all the Israelites would gather on one side of the valley and all, all the Philistines would gather on the other side of the valley. And so Goliath got an idea. Goliath's idea was, look, let's not slaughter all these people. Let's just, you choose one of your Israelites and I'll fight, you know, as the Philistines and whichever one of us win, we win the war. We win the army. And that way we don't have to kill tens and tens of thousands of people. Sounds like a pretty good idea, right? Save a lot of people. Goliath stood up. He shouted in the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? That's a little bit of a clue right here that that maybe Saul, the king, should be out there fighting. Choose a man and have him come down to me. Verse 9. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and you will serve us. Verse 10. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Now here's where Goliath got himself in trouble. He's a little cocky right here. This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Now Saul was a head taller than all the other Israelites. So Saul should have been the one out there fighting this battle, but he wasn't. Verse 11. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. Now don't turn there, but just the chapter before this, The chapter before this, Samuel comes into town and he goes to Jesse's house. Jesse has eight sons. Jesse's of the tribe of Judah. Jesse is David's papa. David is the youngest of eight. And Samuel comes to Jesse's house and he says, okay, look, I just want you to know that God is not pleased with Saul. He's going to replace Saul. I'm going to anoint a new king and I'm supposed to anoint somebody from your house. And so Jesse then begins with his oldest son. And the Lord said to Samuel, that's not the next king. He goes to the next oldest son. That's not the next king. He goes to the next one. He goes through all seven boys that are in the house. And Samuel says, Jesse, these all your boys? 
Well, no, I got another boy out in the back tending, you know, the flocks and the sheep, but he's just a kid. Well, bring him in here. And this was, of course, King David. This was going to become King David. David comes in the house, and Samuel says, he's the man. He's the one that I am to anoint. So here we've got David. A heart for God. Samuel pours oil over his head, and David now will grow up, and he's just a teenager, and become a great soldier someday. But we don't know that yet. We don't know the story of David and Goliath. All we know is a kid has a heart for God. So let's keep going with the next verses. Look at at verse 12. Now David was the son of the Ephraimite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judea. Remember the old prophecy even about how Jesus would come, the Messiah would come from Bethlehem? Micah chapter 5, verse 2. He was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Verse 13, Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shemaiah. Verse 14, David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. Okay, keep going. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Do you understand what's going on here? We got the three oldest boys out there in the wilderness On one side of the valley, David's going back and forth, bringing milk and bread and cheese, and he's just kind of like trying to figure out what's going on. And David hears something, verse 16. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and every evening, and he took his stand, verse 17. Listen to what he said. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, Stepped out from his lines. Now, David's never seen this before. David's a little boy carrying supplies, going back and forth. And all of a sudden, he sees this giant of a man. He sees a man almost 10 feet tall. He sees a man with his huge armor and armor bearer in front of him. He sees a man with a spear bigger than any spear he's ever seen. A sword larger than any sword he's ever seen. And he stepped out from his lines and he... shouted his usual defiance. And David what? What's the Bible say? David heard it. And whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from Goliath in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt him, his family, from taxes in Israel. And so here's David, little bitty boy David, and here's this incredible giant. All right, let's talk about you for just a minute, because you've got giants. Every one of us in this room have giants. There's giants in the land, and there's giants in your life defying the armies of of the God of Israel. And there are whispers in your ear telling you that your giants are too big for you and your giants are too large for you. In fact, your giant has been defeating you for 25 years. Now, everybody in the room has giants. Giants come in all different shapes, all different sizes. If we had the time and we took a tally, there'd be a hundred different giants in the room. Some are vocational, some are medical. Some are emotional, some are vocational, some are relational, but everybody in the room has giants. Now think about your giant for just a minute. 
Giants come in the form of medical issues, cancer. Cancer is definitely a giant. But there's also mental issues and emotional issues and psychological issues. And some giants in the room are the giant of fear and the giant of anxiety. And you wake up every day with angst and you go to bed every night with just fear inside of your psyche. Some of you have some work giants. You've made some enemies at work. You have some enemies where you work, and you're not really sure if people like you, if they're out to get you, but you've got giants in the land. And, and maybe, maybe it's not just that you don't have any enemies, but maybe at your workplace you need this job, or you need a better job, or you need a, you need a job, period. Or there could be the giants of alcoholism or the giants of drug addiction. Or maybe it's a child or maybe it's a grandson, or maybe it's a a parent, and you've got some giants in the land, you've got to make some decisions about assisted living care or nursing home for family members this year. There's not a man, there's not a woman in this room that doesn't have giants. I can't take away your giants. I will never take away your giants. There will always be giants in the land. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl at this church today, we have giants. It's not the absence of giants. I'm not trying to remove the giants from your land. I can't. And you can't. Every one of us faces all different types of giants. In fact, maybe you've got giants today that you didn't have 10 years ago. And I guarantee you, you probably will have giants in your land 10 years from now that you might not even have thought about today. And so when it comes to helping you as your pastor, and I prayed about this at great length about three months ago, I thought, Lord, how can I help our people? I can't take away their giants, but I can teach them to fight their giants in your name. In your name, there is great power. In your name, there is the ability to fight their giants and to overcome And so what I want to do this morning is I'm not going to fight your giants. Your giants are too big for me. They're too many for me. I can't fight your giants. I don't even understand all your giants. But my goal this morning is to teach you how to fight this year through all of your giants in the name of the Lord. One of the best things I can possibly do for you today is to set you up for success as every giant comes into your land because you're going to have giants. You have giants. If you ignore the giants, we've got a group called Celebrate Recovery. It's denial, and you need to be a part of that group, okay, because you're there. We've got giants in the land. Everybody has giants in the land. And so what I want to teach you, and I'm going to give you some of these references even next Sunday, but there's a proverb that says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are what? Safe. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So I'm going to teach you a name right now. Look on the screen. You're not going to know what it means, but you're going to learn how to pronounce it. Jehovah Sabbath. Say that with me. Jehovah Sabbath. It's not Sabbath. Spelled differently. Whole different word. Say it with me. Jehovah Sabbath. Say it again, Jehovah Sabbath. Say it again, Jehovah Sabbath. I haven't told you what it means yet. I just want you to be able to pronounce it. Jehovah Sabbath. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. David said to Saul, just a little boy now, 
Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. This is like a high school boy who feels pretty good about his athletic ability going to play LeBron James one-on-one in basketball. He hadn't got a prayer, okay? Look at verse 33. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. This is an army ranger, a veteran ranger, getting ready to take on some kid who hasn't even been to boot camp yet. You don't have a prayer with all this. Look at verse 34 and 35, 36. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Go to verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Look at the next verse. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. Now, you've got to understand this. Here, here's this valley. You've got David on one side, you know, with a little sling and a few smooth stones, and, you know, dressed like he's getting ready to go to the beach, you know, and flip-flops and a shirt and a pair of shorts. You've got this incredible giant over here with an armor bear and shield and spear, and he's got a huge helmet. In fact, the only place that David can place the stone is going to be where the giant can see. There's only one shot at this. There's only one place where this giant is exposed, and it's for his vision. And here comes David on the run with this slingshot sling, and he's got one shot at this, and he nails the giant right in the forehead. What a shot. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you should come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. This is the second big mistake that he makes. Look at verse 45. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and javelin and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Now that Hebrew name there is the word Jehovah Sabbath, Jehovah Sabbath. Jehovah Sabbath. You see, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of Jehovah Sabbath, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. And here's what's amazing about this story, folks. Jehovah Sabbath means this. Jehovah Sabbath means commander of the Lord's armies. I want you to know that. I want you to remember that. I want you to embrace that. Jehovah Sabbath, I've got a giant. The giant is cancer. I come against you in the name of Jehovah Sabbath, the commander of the Lord's armies. I've got a giant. My giant's my work. My giant's my marriage. My giant's my grandkid. My giant is my health. My, gi- my giant is my money. My giant are my parents. What am I going to do with them? Lord, I need somebody who will fight for me. Now, this is what's so cool about this verse is the fact that God wants to fight for you. 
We have an aspect of God, a dimension of God, this little Hebrew description of God, where he is a God who will fight for you. Now, I think that makes all the difference in the world. It's great you've got people praying with you. It's, got great, it's great you've got people praying for you. You need to be a part of a connect group, have people loving on you. A- absolutely. But when the chips are down and you're in the fight, you have Jehovah Sabbath. You have the commander of the Lord's armies. Now, I tested this out in Nicaragua at a pastor's conference a couple months ago. I thought, if I can communicate this in Nicaragua through a translator, I got it made. About halfway through the conference, this pastor, I wasn't communicating. This pastor raised his hand and he said, are you saying that there are multiple gods? I thought, oh no, now he thinks I'm teaching some kind of idolatry or something. I'm the great white communicator. This is going really well. And I said, no, 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 there's one one God, one, one God. But God has different aspects and names and, and dimensions that help to describe his ability. So there's only one God. I'm not saying that there's multiple gods. Please don't misunderstand me today. But one of God's names, how God chooses to reveal himself is, I am a God who fights. And I will fight for you and I will fight with you. Now, that's encouraging to me to know that God is willing to fight for your business, that God is willing to fight for your marriage, that God is willing to fight for your kids and for your grandkids, that you have the ability in prayer to go to him and ask Jehovah Sabbath, the God who fights, the commander of the Lord's armies, and he will fight with you and he will fight for you. And so here's what happens with David. Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, David said, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Wow. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Verse 48. And the Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly toward the battle to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down to the ground. Can you imagine what the Philistine army is thinking at this point? This is an, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me moment. There's no way. There's no way. Verse 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and he drew it from the sheath. And he cut off Goliath's head with Goliath's own sword. Now, is it just a nice story? (laughs) This is PG-13, isn't it? Uh, No sex, but a lot of violence in this story, right? I I think it's a great story. I think it's a great story for our kids. Uh, When I was 14 or 15, I heard that story for the first time. I was ready to have a sword and a sling and shoot people. I mean, it was just great. I was ready. Now I understand, though, that this is much deeper than just a nice story. And what I want to do for you, you see, as a pastor, you fall in love with your people. As a pastor over the years, you want to help your people. 
and you want to set your people up for success. And so I can teach you more Bible this year, and I can give you, give you more head knowledge this year, and I can make you a smarter sinner this year, and I can educate you, and I can do all that. But I want to teach you and equip you this year. I want to equip you to fight some of these battles. There are spiritual battles that all of us face. There are financial battles that all of us face. There are business battles that all of us face. There are health issues that all of us face. And I want to encourage you and I want to teach you how for you to be able to go to Jehovah Sabaoth, the commander of the Lord's armies, And you go to him when you need someone to fight for you. You go to him when you need someone to fight with you. You go to him when you need someone to fight for you. And he will come through each and every time. I think that's encouraging to note that God wants to fight for me. That God wants to fight for my marriage. That God wants to fight for my three children. That God wants to fight for me to be the man of God that he's called me to be as the senior pastor of this church. That's extremely encouraging to me to know that I have Jehovah Sabbath who wants to fight with me and fight for me all the time. And, And you're no different. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. The battle belongs to the Lord. And so you and I then begin to learn to fight. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you right now to identify your giant. I want you to write it down on your bulletin there if you would and and just, I want you to identify it. What is your giant? Where is your giant? Who, Who is your giant? But I'm asking you at this time, if you would, for you to identify it. Because you see, what, what the Lord wants to do is he wants to make something really beautiful out of you. And when I understood that stained glass is from hundreds of broken pieces, hundreds of different broken pieces go to make something this beautiful. That's you. And that's me. That God wants to make something beautiful in my marriage. He wants to make me a great husband. He wants to make me a great dad. He wants to make me a great preacher. God God wants to make something beautiful out of me, out of all my brokenness, out of all your brokenness. That's extremely encouraged to me that I have a God who will fight for me and fight for my family and fight for my future and fight for our church. This is the God that we serve. And so this is going to be a different year. We're going to kick some butt and take some names this year in the name of Jesus. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to equip you how to fight for yourself. I'm going to equip you how to call out to Jehovah Sabbath. He is the one who will fight for you. He is the one who will never leave you. He is the one who can take your giant and cut off its head and give you victory each and every day. Now, this is a father who loves you. This is a father who loves me. This is a father who's continuing to make masterpieces out of you and out of me. What an amazing God we serve. So I just want to pray for you. We're not done yet. We're going to sing some more. We're going to talk about groups in just a minute. But I, 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 as your pastor, want to have a prayer time. And I just want to pray with you and I want to pray over you because you've identified your giant. 
and your giant is larger than life. But you have Jehovah Sabbath. You have the commander of the Lord's armies who will fight for you. When you've identified your giant, will you raise your hand? Will you raise your hand? Because I want to wait for everybody to identify their giant. Find your giant. Find your giant. Let me pray for us. Almighty God, King of kings and Lord of lords, we worship you today. And Lord, may, may this be one of those messages where we are never quite the same. Where because we understand a little better dimension of who you are, that we've been so worried about our giants and our giants have looked so large and our giants have been so big that we just thought we're going to have to live with this the rest of our life. Father, for our giants today, well, they're not too big for you. And so we call out to you in the name of Jehovah Sabbath. You are the commander of all the armies. Fight for us. Fight for our health fight for our marriages, fight for our children, fight for our grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Somebody said it earlier this morning, their first great-grandchild. Lord God Almighty, fight for our spiritual maturity. Fight for our faith. Increase our faith. Encourage our faith. Give us bolder faith to live for you. Father God, you are the great Jehovah, and we worship you today. And we honor you today. Father, take these giants and slay them and remove them from our lands. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.